ahead and jump into it. We're in week two of our flannel board stories uh, series. Uh, if you weren't here last week, where I kind of gave you a little bit of understanding of what this is, these are stories that I remember learning as a small child. Um, and I remember going to my grandparents' church, and, and, and one of the times when I would go there, there was a lady there, and she would teach us these stories, and she would usually use a flannel board. And so I always uh, uh, kind of thought about these stories as being flannel board stories that I remember learning, and we even talked about it. I talked about it with some friends of ours, uh, you know, about it, and, and, you know, they kind of had some of the same memories, which was kind of fun. But uh, basically, we're talking about some of these stories that, that we've known, and some of them maybe heard hundreds and hundreds of times, it seems like, but I believe that there's always going to be new revelation, new things that God wants to, to share with us. In fact, this, this week, as I was putting uh, the final notes together for Linda, I went into her office. And I was just kind of explaining to her as like, man, I'm, I'm having a really hard time condensing this. You know, I, I kind of, when I put this together I, or, or this idea, I kind of thought, oh, this will be kind of easy. I'll, I might have a hard time finding stuff to talk about that is, that is something maybe a little bit different. And I'm actually finding where I'm having a hard time condensing everything. So it's kind of exciting. But uh, last week we talked about creation and that was a lot of fun and I enjoyed that. But today we're going to talk about the story of Noah. So let's start, like, let's just tell the story of Noah. But before we do, let's pray. Father, I I need your help right now. Father, I need your anointing. Father, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to what the Spirit desires to say to us, and that, Father, you would help me to communicate that clearly. Father, I love you, and I thank you, and I know you're here to help, and I know you will help. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so like last week, we're not going to go through every a portion of scripture to tell this story, but we're going to kind of pick and choose a couple of major things that we're going to talk about and to kind of give us the, the, the whole background for the story of Noah. And then we're going to get into some of the, uh, the points that I feel like God's placed on my heart for this morning. So we're going to start with Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, starting with verse number 5, and we're going to look at verse 5 through 8, and this is what it says. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Now, I want you to stop and think about that. What we're seeing here in Scripture is is God is looking. Now, God obviously can see the actions. He can see the heart. And as he's looking in the thoughts and as he's looking at these people, he's seeing that their thoughts are constantly and totally on evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on the earth. And this is probably one of the saddest, one of the, one of the saddest little portions of scripture you can find in scripture. And it says this, it broke his heart. It broke his heart. This is, this is the, the, the time of Noah that we're seeing. It actually is breaking God's heart because of the evil that is in. Let's con- uh, so, so, so let's continue. Good job. And then the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry that I ever made them. And then verse 8 is very important. This is going to be kind of one of the main verses we're going to talk about through this morning. It says this, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Noah found favor with the Lord. I want that to be said about me. I want God to find favor in me. 
Especially in the world that we live in, where as we see, sometimes it can, it's just the evil and, and the, the things that are going on can be so prevalent and seem almost so suffocating in our lives. I want God to look at me and find favor. So he looks, he sees, he's looking around and he's going, man, this is not a good situation. It's like God is kind of looking at it and he kind of wants to hit the reset button. He kind of wants to say, you know what, this is not where it should be. This is not where, this is, this is not right. And so it's almost like he decides, I'm going to hit this reset button. I'm going to reset everything with this one man named Noah. So let's continue on. Now let's look at Genesis 9. And then we're going to jump to 13 and 14. And it says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things before we jump on to 13 and 14. Listen to what it says here, because I think it's easy to miss this part. Okay? It is saying that Noah is the only one. Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about how that, that Noah's family gets to go in, and his sons, and his sons' wives. But we're seeing here that the only blameless person that's left, the only one, is Noah. It doesn't say Noah's wife. It doesn't say Noah's kids. It doesn't say Noah's kids' wives. It doesn't say his family. It simply says Noah is the only one, and he's walking close with God. Now let's go on to 13 and 14. It says, So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. And let's continue to 14. But build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and sails throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Okay, so... Here we obviously see God has decided he's going to destroy the earth. And he goes to Noah and he says, listen, Noah, I want you to build an ark or a large boat. I don't know if some of you have seen this before, but there is actually a group, I think in Kentucky, that's literally taken the ideas, this, this 45 feet, 75 feet, 45 feet, and they've actually constructed an ark that actually is there. You can go visit it. and it's, I've never been there. I've, I've heard some people that have gone and seen it. You know, I've kind of heard some different things, good and bad, but, but it's, it's there. It's huge. It's this massive thing. And so God goes to Noah and he says, listen, I need you to build this ark, okay? So let's continue now with verse 17 and 18. It says, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wives and your son and, your, and your, your, their wives. So again, we see this concept here. The boat has been completed. They're getting ready to go into the boat. They're getting ready to, to take not only Noah, but his, his family as well. Now let's jump on to 19 through 22. Because in 19 through 22 area, there's going to be some interesting things here that will help us as we move forward in the message. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you and keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small kind of animal that, uh, that squirrels along, uh, scurries along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and all the animals. And this is important in verse number 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. 
everything exactly. We're we're starting to see here a little bit what made Noah Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a blameless man. But also we're seeing this idea here that Noah is doing everything exactly how God tells him to do it. Now I don't know about you, or I know, but I know about me. It's like it's like sometimes I want to see like God. I I will. I'll do. I'll do ninety percent what you want, but I want to do the ten percent like me. I want to do it like me. I want to do it the way I want to do it. And God here sometimes is saying to us, listen. Listen, you need to do things exactly the way I've set it out. I know better than you do. And so Noah, being a pretty smart guy, knowing uh, the way he lived, he knew that he needed to do things exactly the way God told him to do it. Okay? And now let's jump into Genesis 9. So he goes into the boat. Obviously, it rains 40 days, 40 nights, the whole nine yards. All the water covers the earth. Every living thing, except the things that are in the ark uh, and, and in the seas, obviously die. And then we, we see at the very end of the story, one that we all pretty much know how this all ends up. It says, then God says, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. Now, what does that mean? That means that this covenant was not just made with Noah, it was made with us. Every living thing, we're living things, every generation, that's us. So God is making this covenant now with us and with Noah. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all of the earth. So at the end of the story, we have this kind of normal, uh, not normal, we, we kind of know how the story ends. The earth is flooded. Noah sends out a dove. The dove doesn't come back. He knows that there's dry land now. And basically the, the ark comes to a rest. And, and basically at the end of the story, as they're getting ready to leave the boat, Noah is given this sign. And we are too, this covenant by God that says, listen, I will not do this again. I, it is my promise with you and future generations, this rainbow in the sky. This morning, really what I want to talk about is we kind of, kind of begin to pull away the layers of the onion a little bit and deal with what I feel God's placed on my heart. Um, I want us to understand something that's interesting here. I think that what, we're going to talk, what we want to talk about this morning is the favor of God. Because we see that in the scripture very clearly, that, that God looks at Noah and Noah finds favor. I want to find favor with God as well. And I think we need to understand that concept because I think that's a big part of the story and also a big part of what God wants to do in our lives today and in the lives of our church today. And so we're going to start by looking and understanding the favor of God. God, understanding the favor of God. So here's what favor, finding favor means. It means basically gaining approval, acceptance, or special benefits or blessings from God. Okay, it is this understanding that it's, it's not necessarily merited all the time, but in Noah's case, it was. In Noah's case, we see he lived a blameless life. He was obedient to God. He had faith in God. He did this. And because of that, he found favor. Now, we need to understand as well that we can also receive favor because of not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done in us. Noah was living under the old covenant. We are living under the new covenant. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But I'm I'm not going to get into that. But just know that that favor is something that we can earn. And sometimes, sometimes we can't earn. It's sometimes things that we'll do that God will use as a blessing when we're obedient. And God will say, yeah, you're being obedient to me. You're you're working in this. And because of that, you're going to find favor in this endeavor or in this situation. And other times, it's unmerited favor. It's, It's God just blessing us with his mercy and his grace. In Noah's case, he's done the right things. He lived a blameless life. And so 
because of that, God looks at him and finds favor in him. And because of that favor, we get to be here. We, we're here because Noah found favor in God's sight. So I want to look at what favor really is and what it isn't. And so in your notes, you're going to see three different things that I feel like God placed on my heart to share with you about favor so we understand it more and can work and live through that favor in our lives. And the first one is this. Favor doesn't mean you won't face difficult things. It just means difficult things won't stop you. Doesn't mean that you won't. Sometimes we think, oh, I, I want the favor of God. Well, why? Because I want my life to be easy and I want my life to be perfect and I want my life to be good. Listen, the favor of God does not mean you won't face difficult things. You are going to face difficult things. But it means those things will not stop you. Look at Philippians 3.14. It says this. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. Listen, the idea here that Paul is giving us of a race is something that works. It's difficult. It's hard. You're going to have to work for it and move for it. But it's something that won't you just continue to move towards. It's this idea of Paul saying, listen, I got to get over to the guitars and I'm going to keep moving. I know I'm going to get tired. I know it's going to get hard, but I'm going to keep striving on. And that favor of God is an encouragement. It's a help. It's something that comes beside us and encourages us on, kind of picks us up and we fall down and continues to move us forward. So know that just because you have the favor of God doesn't mean your life will be perfect. Doesn't mean that your life necessarily will be easy, but it does mean that if you trust God, if you put your faith in him, you're going to be able to finish that race and finish what God has for you. Number two, favor favor doesn't mean weapons won't form against us. It just means those weapons won't prosper. It just means those weapons won't prosper. Look at Isaiah 54, 17. It says this, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. Listen, one thing that we need to understand, the enemy is not sitting by twiddling his thumbs, just waiting for this whole thing to end up and be done. He is working at destroying us. The Bible says quite clearly, he's like a roaring lion watching around trying to see who he can devour. He is there to kill, steal, and destroy. He is forming weapons against us. It is amazing sometimes in my life where when the enemy will start forming weapons against me, and I'll sit there and I'll be surprised. I'll be like, I, I can't believe the enemy's coming against me. And you go, well, that's silly, Aaron. You should know better. But you know what? We all do that, I think, at times. We're all somewhat surprised that God, or the, excuse me, that the enemy would actually do that. But the problem is, the great thing is, with favor, with knowing that God is with us, we can know those weapons are not going to prosper. Those weapons are not going to be able to accomplish the things that the enemy has meant for. Those things that the enemy has meant for harm will not do the things that bring the harm necessarily that he wants to inflict on us. So they are formed. There will be times where we'll be like Elisha and his servant. We'll be camped down and all around us, the enemy will be camped around us. And we'll be sitting there going, oh my goodness, look at the weapons. Oh my goodness, look at the the obstacles. Look at the things here that are there. But God will say, listen, if you would just let me open those spiritual eyes, you'll know and you'll see that even though those weapons are formed, they're not going to prosper because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Which is an awesome thing. Which is an amazing thing. Favor helps us do that. Helps us know that. The final one. Favor doesn't mean hell won't come after us. It just means 
hell will not prevail. It just means hell, hell will not prevail. I love this scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, death is swallowed up in victory. So, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For the sin that, for sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hell's coming after us, guys. This is not, again, the enemy's not sitting there twiddling his thumbs just waiting for all this to end. He's not sitting there twiddling his thumbs going, well, you know, I guess I got nothing I can do. I mean, I'll just sit here and just just wait to be defeated. He comes after us and he's going to muster the whole army of hell to come against you and to come against us. But the thing is, we got to understand, they're not going to win. We have the victory because of what Jesus has done. We have the victory because of the fact that he's done and and he's come and we've won. We're fighting not for victory. We're fighting from victory. But that enemy will come and we need to understand that. So so favor is lots of different things. But it's not going to stop us. It's it's not. They're not. Gonna, it's not going to. Uh, favor helps us to prevail over these things. And so I want to finish by looking at this. What unleashes the favor of God in our lives? Okay. Because I think I think at least for me, I want the favor of God in me. I want to do the things that will unleash it in my life. Because here's the thing that you got to understand. We'll talk about this in just a minute, a little bit more in depth. When the favor of God is unleashed in you, it doesn't just affect you. It can affect people around you as well. Remember, Noah's wife, Noah's kids, Noah's families, they aren't mentioned as blameless. They're not mentioned as doing all the right things like Noah is. But because Noah is experiencing God's favor, because Noah is experiencing that, all those things, his family and those people that are close to him, those people that he loves, they get to go into the ark too. They get to experience that as well. One of the great things about God's favor is God is a messy favor giver-outer, okay? Now you go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, let me explain this to you. It's kind of like this. If, if I sat down over here and I sat down here next to John and Julie, okay? And, 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 and I sat down here and I'm just sitting there and, and Alan, for some strange reason, because Alan sometimes does strange things, gets it in his idea that, you know what would be fun? It'd be a lot of fun if I went out and I got a big, went down to the kitchen because we got some in the kitchen and I got a, one of those big igloo coolers and I filled it with ice water. Boy, that would be fun. And then I had it, and I let it sit there, you know, so it was really, really cold. And then as Aaron is sitting there, I'm going to dump that ice water all over his head. You got to watch out, because Alan, you'd never know what Alan might do, okay? You got to be prepared. I've, I've been up many a night concerned that maybe Alan was going to dump ice water on my head, okay? And here's the thing. If Alan did that, guess what? I'm not the only one getting wet, okay? John and Julie, they're going to get wet. Why? Because they're close to me in proximity. They're close. And when that bucket comes out, whoosh, they're going to get it. 
God's favor in our life is a lot like that bucket of water that, that Alan would pour on my head. When we're close to people, God's not sitting there going, hey, I got this little cup of water, and I'm just going to dip it over Aaron's head, and that's going to be enough. God goes out. God gets himself a big old igloo thing, and he goes, come here, Aaron. Whoosh. And when he does, that water splashes out and covers other people. The great thing about the favor of God is it doesn't just affect you. It can affect many, many people that you love and that you're close to. And it's a wonderful thing. So we need that unleashed in us, not just for us, but for those that we come in contact with. So what unleashes that? What can we find in Scripture that shows us? And we're going to look at Hebrews. We're going to go to the New Testament. Because in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is kind of that, that, that hall of faith where the writer of Hebrews goes through a lot of these people and begins to talk about their lives. And this is what it says. It says in Hebrews eleven seven, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. Okay, we're going to come back to that in just a second. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by. Faith. Listen, here's the thing we need to understand. I want you to stop and I want you to kind of put yourself in Noah's shoes, okay? I want you to try to put yourself in Noah's shoes. God comes to you, speaks to you, and basically says this. Listen, I'm going to flood the earth. Here's Noah's response to that concept. What's a flood? It's going to rain. Rain's going to fall. What's rain? The, the earth has never been, it's never rained before. He says, I want you to build a boat. Where? On dry land. I want you to think about that for a second. The amount of faith that it had to be to a man who's never seen rain before, never seen a flood before, to build a boat on dry land. That's, 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 uh, come on. What faith he must have had. What an amazing amount of faith. And here's the thing we need to understand. It's in your notes. If you want that unleashed, walk by faith and you will live with the favor of God. If you will walk by faith, if you will basically say, I'm not going to go by what I see. I'm going to go by what God tells me. I'm not going to go by how I'm feeling necessarily. I'm going to go by the truth that is in God's word. I'm going to walk in that way, in those things that are unseen. That is when truly that favor begins to be literally unleashed in your life. And unleashed in a way that is so big and so great. That's where that, that favor comes. And it's just that bucket that God is dumping over us. But you got to walk by faith. Noah understood that. He obeyed God even though it seemed crazy. Even though it seemed to be like, what do you mean all this is going to happen? But he did it. He trusted. And because of that, he's not only affected him and his family. We're here because of it. His faith, his favor that God had, it splashed out in a huge way. So to conclude this morning, here's what I'd like to talk about. I want to talk about three steps to walk by faith based on the story of Noah. Okay? And this, real quick, we're going to go through these. Number one, it's better to obey than to do it your way. 
It's better to obey than to do it your way. Look at Genesis 6.22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Listen, I mean this as, as, as sweetly and as lovely as I can say it, as much love as I can muster. But please, I think you've heard me say this before, and I think it's so true, and I, I just, it, is just, it just is. God is really, really smart, and he's smarter than us. He knows what he is doing. Now, I know that sometimes we don't see that. And we think we know better, but we just don't. And we all can make that mistake. Noah was able to walk by faith in a powerful way and let that favor be unleashed because he understood it was better to do what God asked him to do than to try to figure it out on his own. Listen, real simple, real easy, and, 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 and that's because that's kind of the guy I am. But listen, if God says it and God asks you to do it, then you do it. But Aaron, it doesn't make sense. Aaron, I don't understand. Aaron, Aaron... If God says it, you do it, okay? It's, it's, it's not easy, but it is a simple concept that we all have to do better on. I know I do. The next, it's better to be safe than to be sorry. Look at Genesis 7, 23. It says this, God wiped out every living thing on the earth, people, livestock, small animals that scurried along the ground and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and, with the, and those with him in the boat. Listen, folks, a lot of us feel like, you know, you know, we got time or we don't have to focus on this, this Christianity thing or, you know, it's not that important or, or it, it, it's important, but it's kind of down on the, on the totem pole. I know for me at times I can, I can allow the cares of this world and the things of this world to kind of unfortunately push God down on what he should be number one, but he kind of gets pushed down. Listen, we need to make sure that we're getting in this boat, we're staying in this boat, and we're allowing God to unleash some things in us because here's the deal, whether we understand it or not, and we're going to see in just a minute what's coming there's a flood coming there's stuff coming and 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 here's the thing about this understanding listen even if it's not the quote-unquote big flood that's coming at the very very end we can still be affected by floods that we deal with in our own personal lives on a daily basis and there is something about the security and the safety and the strength of being under the covering of God in the boat that God has created and that boat that has been created is basically because of Jesus and because of his sacrifice and because of his love for us and when we enter into that safety and stay there no matter what kind of flood no matter what kind of situation comes into our lives we're safe and we're there but you know what we tend to do unfortunately we tend to say you know what the weather's not that bad you know what things are going okay I think I'll just kind of step out of the boat for a little while kind of do my own thing for a little bit and you know what in those moments things can come and things can wash us away we need to know that you know what we're in the boat we're saving the boat let's get back in the boat Noah understood that Noah said, hey, when it's time, we're getting in the boat. We're staying there because there's safety in that boat. Not just eternal safety, folks, but safety now, knowing that Jesus is with us and that he'll help us and he'll walk with us through all of life's situations and struggles. And the final one, it's better to bring people in than to shut people out. It's better to bring people in than to shut people out. Look at Genesis 7, 1 through 3. When everything was ready, Okay, 
When everything was ready in God's perfect timing, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal. I have approved for eating and for sacrifice, and take one pair of each of the other things. Let's go on to verse number three. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be male and female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. Listen, it's amazing here. Because of Noah, because of his, 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 his life, because he was able to bring people into this safety. And, and he didn't just bring in his family. As we see here, he brought in animals and, and birds. And, and, and all the world is, is being blessed here because of what Noah has done. Because of the way Noah has lived his life. Because of those things, we are seeing this amazing thing where God has got the door open. And the door is open and people are coming in and animals are coming in. But here's the interesting thing, folks. If you look in scripture, there is a point in time where God shuts the door. Noah doesn't shut the door. God shuts the door. And when God shuts the door, the door is shut. You see, here's the deal. We're living in an amazing time, even though it's hard at times. We're living in, a, in a, the period of grace. We're living in that period where that door of that boat is open and anybody can walk in. Anybody, doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter your future, doesn't matter what you've done or what you will do. We can walk in boldly because of what Jesus has done. We get to walk into that boat and find safety and salvation and help because of one man. What's interesting about this story is, is this. In the Old Testament, in the story of Noah, we have this idea where because of one man's righteousness, because of one man doing the right thing, because one man lived a blameless life, People were saved and have salvation. In the New Testament, we see a story just like it, where one man, because of his, the way he lived, because of his sinless life, he lays down his life so that we can have eternal life and eternal security and eternal safety from the things of the flood and the judgment that's coming. It's amazing here that we see this in Noah. And Jesus came because he's greater than Noah, and he did it once and for all. But you know what? That door is going to shut. There is going to be a time when that door shuts. And we're going to conclude by looking at Matthew. And in Matthew 24, we see something really interesting. In Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking and he's talking about the end. He's basically saying, okay, listen, I'm going to tell you about how the, the story ends, basically. And this is what it says. Matthew 24, we're going to look at verses 37 through 41. It says, when the Son of Man returns, and this is interesting... It will be like it was in Noah's day. Why is it important that we're looking at the story of Noah? Because it's going to be like that again. You know, sometimes I'll tell people, listen, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to ruin your day. But you know what? This world ain't going to get better for a while. It's going to get worse. It's going to be more difficult. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, listen, it's going to be like the days of Noah. And you know what? Those are dark days, hard days. He says, in those days before the flood, now check this out, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. Sound familiar? Sound like the world we live in, maybe? People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. 
That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. And then he continues. And this is interesting. Okay? This is interesting. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. It's interesting here that at the end... Jesus says, you know what? It's going to be just like it was then. But as I was looking at this this week, I I had something kind of stir in my spirit that honestly, I've I've read this passage before, but never really had before. I I, I kind of looked at it as, you know, um, obviously Jesus talking about the rapture and and him coming and the catching away and and all these things. And at the end of this story, uh, as he's kind of talking about it, he, he says two men will be working together. And then it says two women will be grinding. So, so, so we have this picture of Jesus giving us of these people that are, that are busy, that are doing things as, as the Son of Man is getting ready to, to come and, and bring us home. And what's interesting to me is, is the close proximity that these people have with each other. These two guys that are working, now, now I don't know how this may have worked, but my assumption is these guys probably worked together for quite a while. These two women that are, that are, that are grinding flour at the mill, they're, 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 they're working together. They're, they're, they're in close proximity together. And, and, and here's the question that I had. Here's the thing that kind of rattled around in my spirit and has been since. Why did that have to happen? And I know, I, listen, I know what Jesus is doing here, okay? But what a sad statement this is. Because what is this saying? This is saying one person knows Jesus and the other person doesn't. And what is this saying? It's basically saying at the end, God has closed the door. And here's the thing, I know. Now, one day, when Jesus comes back and takes us all home, this is going to play out in probably thousands and thousands and thousands of, of instances. But listen, I don't want this to be my story. I don't want this to be your story. I don't want us. Listen, this will make sense. I want our story to be this. Two men were working together in the field and because the one man who knew Jesus, shared Jesus, and lived a life that showed Jesus' love, both were taken. I wanted to say two women were grinding flour at the mill and because one woman knew Jesus and shared who Jesus was in her life and lived a life that showed this woman, the both were taken. But you know what? Let's be honest, folks. That doesn't always happen and it's not going to happen. And I can't control you, and I can't control the world. I can only control me. And I know there are people in my life that I am working around, that I I talk to on a weekly basis. There's people at Walmart. There's people at Target. There's people that I deal with, the the postman that comes and delivers our mail. There are people that I am in contact with at times. And you know what? I want to make sure that when that day happens, and I want them coming with me. It is better to have people come into this boat and know Jesus and experience him than to be on the outside. Because the outside, folks, the outside is death. Certain death. 
You see, the favor of the Lord, and we talked about this, is not just about you. It's about God positioning you in a place where you can be used by Him to get as many people in that boat as possible. So here's what we're going to do. Worship team, if you want to come back up. Actually, wait. Just John. One time, just John. Thanks, guys. And I'm just going to have John play something kind of quietly. We're not going to have a closing song, uh, but we are just going to have some soft music playing because I really feel like um, I want to do something a little different this morning. Here's what I'd like us to do. Let's, let's, can you just do me a favor, just again, for, for the sake of just focus, can we just close our eyes and bow our heads? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You know, because of what Jesus has done, we all can experience the favor of God. We can all experience that closeness, that that unmerited favor, that grace really is, that mercy really is. We, We all can get that. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that there are, there are levels, if that makes sense, and that's a weird way to put it, but of how much God is going to pour that out, okay? Too much is given, much is required. Do you get what I'm saying? And a lot of times we want the favor, but we're not willing to do walk in faith or be obedient or speak to those that need that to understand the favor and the love and the grace of God. And so God doesn't pour it out to the extent that he wants to. Now notice what I said, that he wants to. And as I said from the beginning, I want to be a man that God pours his favor out on. Not just for me, but for others. I want, I want that favor to splash on people around me. But here's what I believe, and, I, and I, I really believe this is the case right now. I believe that God has strategically placed every single person in the sound of my voice around people, that he wants that favor, that grace, that mercy, that love that he is getting ready and continuing to shower on you to begin to splash on other people. You see, here's the great thing about that boat. That boat could have handled more people. You realize that? That boat could have done, more people could have got on that boat. And what's so amazing about what we experience today with the new covenant that God has placed because of what Jesus has done, there is room for everybody. There's not standing room either. There's plenty of room in this boat. And I believe that it is time as God is moving in our hearts and moving in our lives that we start to invite people into the boat. That we stop, stop being afraid or stop being, listen, I know it's not easy, but you know what? It's death outside the boat. The wages of sin is death. It was in the time of Noah. It will be in the time, it is in the time and it will always be. 
But you know what? There is a salvation. There is a savior. There is a way out. There is a hope that we have to share with people that come into our lives. But we got to stop hoarding it. We got to stop being afraid. And we got to stop saying, you know what? No, no, no. This is too important. No, no, no. It's better to be safe than to be sorry. You may not have tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But today is the day of salvation. Today that that door is open. But you know what? There's going to come a day. There's going to come a time where God's going to shut that door. And I don't want to be walking with you and have me gone and you here. I want you to come with me. I want you to experience the fullness and the grace and the love and the mercy that is available to you and to me because of what Jesus has done. Not because I'm perfect, not because you're perfect, but because Jesus is perfect and he's loved us with an everlasting love. He's opened that door and said, come on in. So who is it? Who right now is the Spirit of God speaking to your heart and they're saying, that's the one. Sometimes we get so, oh, it's so big and it's so many people need Jesus. You know what? We start with one. We work with one. We let God minister to the one. And when that happens, we begin, as we talked about last week, we begin to see the multiplication begin to take place. But it starts with one. Who's your one? Who's your one? Who's the one that God has said, listen, they need to get in the boat and I've placed them near you and I've given favor to you so that that favor will start splashing on them. You say, Aaron, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to do. I, what, 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 let, hey, hey, here's, here's what I found in my life. If you will identify the one, if you will allow God's spirit to help you identify the one and you open your heart and your life and your will to allowing God, God will place you in the right moment, in the right time, and he will even put the words in your mouth to say. But too many of us, we don't identify the one. Maybe it's somebody in our family. Maybe it's somebody at our job. Maybe it's somebody in our school. But we need to let God's spirit help us identify the one. And here's what's awesome. When God identifies the one and God does something amazing and that person comes to know Jesus, that person comes back, maybe has known Jesus before, but comes back into the family of God, then we go back to God and say, awesome, God, you're so good. Now, who's number? Who's the next one? Who's the next one? Who's the next one? Because you know what? There's plenty of room on this boat. Plenty of room. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. Like I said, we're not going to do a closing song. And I want you, if you don't already, I want you to ask God, God, who's my one? Who's my one? You ask and listen. And I believe God's going to speak to you and show you that individual. So I'm going to give you 30 I'm going to shut up and let God speak. Okay, go. Speak to us, Father. Who's our one that we need to bring in that boat? Who's the one that you placed in our path to make that change and make that difference in? Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. All right. Here's what I'd like us to do. I want you all stand, please. If you'd all stand, please. Thanks.
Okay. And what I'm going to do is I want to I want to pray over you. I want to pray God's anointing, God's spiritual blessing. I want to pray over you that God would just place you, that your ears would, I just want to pray over you. And as I do, I want you to be praying as well. Praying for that individual, praying for that moment, praying for that time. And here's the deal, guys, listen, you, you, it may take two years. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But whatever it is, you know that God is wanting to use you to have that. And listen, you can't make that person come in the boat. But you can share with them who Jesus is in your life, what he's done in you, and make a difference in them. Right? Okay? So I'm not, we're not asking for unrealistic expectations. We're not asking you to grab them by the ear and yank them in. We're asking that you are obedient, walking in the favor of God by faith, and saying, Father, I believe that with, with your help, I will help this individual know who you are and that they will come into this boat. I don't care what they've done or what they will do. I believe, I have faith that that's gonna take place. So as I pray over you, I want you to be thinking of that individual and be praying for them and also praying that God would help you. God, right now, I pray over every individual that's here. Father, I believe with all my heart that you have placed people. You have not just placed names, you've placed faces and situations, people at work or school or home or, or our family members. You've placed these people in our lives because you have desired us to be used by you to help them get into the boat. And Father, I pray an anointing over them, a commissioning over them, that Father, that they would trust you, that Father, they would know that you'll put the words in their mouth, you'll place them supernaturally with supernatural appointments into places where they have the opportunity to share, that these people that you've placed in our, on our hearts, that Father, that they would be open and receptive to hearing about who you are and what you are, and that Father, that there would be people because of, of, of this message, because of this understanding understanding because of this desire to have people come that there will be people that will be with us for all eternity that we'll be walking with these people and when you come to call us home the father will go with them that there won't be that lady sitting there going what just happened where did you go what's going on but father instead it would just be a, a miraculous moment that we'd be going up to, to meet you in the air with these people that you've placed in our lives father this is big this is major the boat door is going to shut and we don't know when but we know it's going to shut and Father you have called us to be your ambassadors and your disciples that go and share you with those individuals so Father let our story be different and Father I pray for each one here that you would anoint them to share what you desire with those individuals and that they would walk by faith saying, I know, I know that I know that God is going to work in their lives. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you for this time we can come together and be commissioned by you. Not by me, by you. You've called us to be a light in a dark place. You've called us to sometimes grab people by the hand and walk them with your help into not just, not, not a boat made of gopher wood or cypress or 
but the ultimate salvation, the ultimate quote-unquote ark, your son Jesus, your son Jesus, who's made a way where there was no way. So we love you. We thank you. You're so good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.